0: Hey, so uh, I'm here with Katie Edgman, and we're going to be uh, having this next episode of the SFC Europe podcast. And I'm happy to have you here, Katie, and looking forward to getting to hear about you and what stuff you guys are up to uh, where you are in Ireland. So welcome.
1: Thanks for having me, Alan. Um, This is really fun to get to talk to you. And, you know, it's been a while since we've been at SFC stuff, so it's good to chat
0: Cool. So I'd like to start the podcast with just um, kind of a background. If you could just maybe give us a background of like how you grew up, how you came to faith and then uh, how you ended up uh, in the mission field in Ireland and, and what got you there. That would be great hmm. to hear that story. Yeah,
1: It's funny. Every Some people have really short and sweet stories. Mine's long. I'm trying to get to try to condense it um, a little bit. Um, so I grew up um, in... My, my dad had died when I was about four, four and a half. Um, and so my mom raised me and my brother by herself. And um, later on, you know, fast forward a little bit. Um, I, we actually went um, to Cameroon as well. My mom uh, taught in a missionary school there. She did okay. um, teaching for the kids of the doctors and nurses at a missionary hospital. And so as far as faith was concerned, You know, my mom's a believer and raised us, you know, she read the Bible to us every night. Um, I remember saying um, the sinner's prayer when I was, I guess, five or so, um, just as a way of like, okay, this is what you do. But I never really, I didn't start following Jesus really until I was almost in college. And it was during that trip to Africa, I was about 17 or so, um, When I decided I was going to start following Jesus. Um before then, I just I did it because I was afraid. I did all the things that you do, go to Sunday school, that kind of thing, just because I was I was scared. I didn't know what else to do. I lived in fear of God because of what had happened with my dad, and I just Mm. kind of assumed God was to blame and all that. And um and so I, I did so much, so much searching over my teenage years. Um, I remember for like a day, I decided mm-hmm. I was going to be a humanist. Mm-hmm. And so I went and told my mom, and my mom was cooking, and I was like, hey, mom, I'm going to be a humanist. I think that's a great idea. She was like, okay. And I was like, great, everyone's on board with this. This is going to be awesome. And then I quickly realized that when you're a humanist, that means that when you die, you just die, and nothing else happens after that. And I was like, oh, that's not okay. So I I didn't like, I couldn't reconcile the idea with when you're dead, you're food for worms, and that's it. So I was like, well, okay, something in me is crying out for more, like there's something more out there. So I kind of went on a really long search for which religion kind of suited me best. Mm. And during that trip to Africa, I remember walking out in the bush and field at, you know, close to dusk. And I was with other people, but they kind of trailed off. And I, it's funny, most of my moments with God actually happen in nature, uh, mm. somewhere on a walk or something like that, which being in Ireland surrounded by nature, it's been very good. But, um, so I was out there walking and, Before we had gone on this walk, my mom had this conversation with me. I was like, Mom, I don't know what's true. I just don't know what's true. Is God right? I mean, is is the Bible right? Is Islam right? Is something else the right thing? She was like, you know what? You're actually never going to calculate and prove what is true. You're just going to have to choose what to believe. And you're just going to have to make a choice. That's it. It's not like you're going to... Um, discover some, something that proves something is right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. And in the middle of that field, I was thinking about all the things that I was contemplating, all the different belief systems, all these deities, all these gods, um, ideas, things like that all required something of me. Sacrifices, um, alms, um, doing good works, good karma, all this stuff. But Jesus was the only one who came for me. Mm-hmm. who actually sacrificed himself for me. So it was like he was standing there and everything else was just kind of uh, in the dust in comparison to um, to what he did for me. So I went ahead that day and decided, okay, I am going to, uh, I'm going to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so then fast forward, I ended up in college, got involved in Chi Alpha, and, um, I was actually... My mom begged me to go to Chi Alpha because okay. I was not very social. Um, I... Yeah, I, I was really into studying. I wanted to be a nurse. I knew that was what I was going to do. And so I... Um, I... I was I would sit at Chi Alpha, actually, with my pharmacology notes on my lap and not <laughs> socialize with anybody. <laughs> I was, like, wow. the worst student ever. <laughs> I was, like, the one that... The pastor would always be like you know you should start talking to people and you know get out there and stuff and so um so begrudgingly you know i went to a um a life group and um and from there learned what discipleship was okay and um and went to my very first world mission summit um, because my life group leader was like you're coming so i went And, uh, then I was like, Oh gosh, I, you know, I kind of thought that I would do missions at some point. That sounded like a great idea, Mm -hmm. but at that point I was really like, okay, this, this is it, you know? Um, so fast forward, I became a nurse. I went to grad school, um, became a, a nurse midwife while in grad school. I met my husband, Blake, also Chi Alpha person through a Chi Alpha link. And he was um, doing Chi Alpha at University of Oklahoma. And so when I graduated, um, I got a job in Norman, Oklahoma, and worked um, in the health department there. And then in the evenings, helped him with Chi Alpha, and that was just kind of our life. And I was like, this is great. This is the missions that um, I should be doing. This is great. Mm -hmm. Well, then um, we went on this random, um, uh, like a little, it was almost like a vacation trip to Ireland in 2009 like right after we got married, which do not recommend that for any newlyweds to go on a uh, mission, mission trip. Cruise. And we stay staying a hostel three weeks after you get married. So uh, not a good plan, but we were there and I remember the, the plane touching down and something within me. Now I know it was the Holy spirit, but at the time I thought it was just jet lag. Uh, something said, you guys are going to move here. And I was like, Oh wow, that's crazy. That's wild. No way. Uh, so that was kind of in my brain for the week that we were here. And we were here, actually, Blake and his band were playing at a, a youth festival for um, Christian youth around the country. The spouses were around us for kicks and tourist stuff. But we were doing some tourist stuff that week. And it was the end of the trip. And Blake goes, hey, you know, would you think maybe about possibly, I don't know. And I'm like, before he even finished the sentence, I was like, I've been thinking about that since we got here you know? And so we contemplated possibly moving and moving to Ireland, come to find out the Irish assemblies of God really wanted people to come and sort of help out with student ministry stuff they had going on here. Mm. So after about a year of praying, we accepted, we raised money with HWM and then we came over in 2012. So that's how we ended up here. And, um, and do you want me to go on with the story of how we transitioned from student ministry?
0: To yeah, you're doing tell us. That yeah, okay. tell us about what's going on with you now and how you've gotten to that place. Kind of the story of life in Ireland <laughs> and uh, what is what you're passionate about right now.
1: Yeah. Well, um, so we came here to do student ministry. And it's funny how, you know, you have these plans and ideas of how things should go. And Blake and I are both planners. Mm. We're both organized, structured people. We like to make plan. And so it is very funny when God says, actually, I'm going to have you do something slightly different. Um, So during during the past, so we've been here eight years now. So during the past, for the first like six years um, of doing campus ministry, and um, we ended up helping out with a lot of different um, ministries around the country, not necessarily um, Pentecostal, some more Church of Ireland, more Anglican. Um, Some were um, just non-denominational. The thing about Ireland is there's so few Christians that people, that Christians from a lot of different denominations are very willing to work together and and Mm -hmm. kind of mesh up um, their skills and abilities and things, which is a good thing um, because it kind of gets people to, um, you know, uh, to work together,
0: yeah. And build a but little synergy. So
1: we yeah. Build a little synergy. It was great. So we've done a lot of different smattering of different things. Um, I helped with an Alpha course at one of the campuses here, and then started one here in Dublin. And students really love Alpha um, because it's um, a way for them to sort of dip their toe in without having to commit. Um, a-, a way to just have a conversation about Jesus. So, um, it was really, really great, um, to work with those students. Um, but after, you know, so uh, here I am sitting here as a midwife, not working, but, um, still, you know, nursing's always in your, in your blood when you do it, you're always thinking about it, you know? And, um, so I was always sitting on campus and thinking, where are the pregnant students? And I know it's such a random thing to think about, but... (laughs) you do tend to tend to think about that. If you, if your career involved pregnancy and everything about it, and then um, on pretty much any U S campus I was ever on in college, grad school, Chiapel, whatever there was always at least one pregnant student around um, mm-hmm. either a mature student or many times non-mature student, a young person who got pregnant, but just continued classes and everything like that. So usually someone around. Um, But in Ireland, not a single female student was pregnant on campus. Mm. I just was wondering like, what, what in the world, where are they hiding them? Are they in a basement somewhere? (laughs) What's the deal? (laughs) And so uh, I just sort of, I thought, (laughs) I sort of thought to myself, maybe I'm just not very observant. Um, But, you know, I brought this up after a while, to some of the students because it was kind of bothering me. I'm like, what, what was happening? But, um, every student I talked to, um, it, it got to be a trend and almost not laughable, laughable, but it was, it was almost just common knowledge that if you get pregnant on campus here, you don't stay pregnant or you drop out. So that's, that's just how it works. Um, to drop out is super common. Um, To stay pregnant and be on camp, obviously it doesn't happen. We continue. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, gosh, this is not okay. I mean, where are the people around these students telling them that we'll be be here for you no matter what? That um, you don't have to pick option A or B. If you want, you can pick option C. We can actually help you to finish your degree, to start your career, to do what you need to do. Because we actually, we don't just say we believe in you, we actually do believe in you. Yeah. Um so and then I thought to myself, where in the world is the church in all this? Yeah. And come to find out there were a lot of members of local churches and campus leaders around the country who were all having the same kind of conversation and were all, all somehow it was obviously God ordained meetings, um, somehow having coffee with me, and we'd end up on this conversation of what in the world is happening with these students and who is there for them? Not just students, but Young professional Mm. um, women—that group of women would also fall into this category of Ireland typically not being super friendly to parenting mothers and pregnant women who were in that younger age group. So um, we realized too that there, as far as crisis pregnancy help, it's kind of marketed towards like my age, thirties on up, women because that's kind of the age, like a woman who's in her mid thirties and already a mom is typically the woman who would seek that crisis pregnancy support here. It's not the younger girl. I think it will be the younger person, but it's not, it's, it's my age. Um, so all the marketing is geared towards that. And so we were contemplating this phenomenon of there's all these church people and people in campus groups, um, people who love Jesus and want to help, but there is no connection between those people. And young women who really just need this help. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing marketed towards that age group. So what we decided to do, Well, also I, I will say interject, um, there's a lot of people who want to help, but there's also no training available for them. Um, people who aren't already health professionals or um, counselors. Mm-hmm. So... That all combined with all these people who are like, we want to do something to create what we now call Zoe community. So Zoe means life. um, And so that's the whole point of this is that we want to help um, strengthen and equip local communities in Ireland, including uh, groups to reach out and support women in crisis pregnancy. So part of that involves training and our first ever training event is happening in about three weeks. Awesome. training and then a connection that piece that was sort of missing Mm -hmm. um we want to help connect um, women who are younger to those volunteers that we will train who would like to help and the way we'll do that is through a live web chat so that'll occur through our website and um a woman can be on her smartphone and in two clicks be chatting with one of our volunteers so that's how it's gonna work we're really excited. We can't really start up anything until um, until we have Irish charity status. So that's the big thing we're okay. waiting
0: on. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the the dream of seeing this happen, God just kind of brought people along into your life that uh, were on the same page as you. Yep. And mm-hmm. now it's, it's coming towards that fruition. Um, tell, like, explain what is... Um, the plan how is it going to work for for young girls or young ladies who are uh in the situation give us a little bit of like the details oh, of that okay. if you can
1: okay your side. um so how you mean how it'll work when a woman comes uh for
0: yeah yeah what what is like uh, the idea is uh to help them connect with somebody if they're in a situation where maybe they haven't found support right. before walk us through why why you're doing the app thing and maybe a little bit of like the details of what happens okay. when they do.
1: So um, part okay. of the, the, I guess the appeal of having a live web chat is the anonymity of it. Um, Ireland mm-hmm. is sort of plagued with a shame culture that you might see in other European mm-hmm. cultures, but Ireland is uh, it's a, that's a big deal over here. We're actually, we have started a podcast okay. called unshamed where part of, Part of our mission okay. with Zoe is to have national conversations around shame culture, because shame uh, t- is typically one of the biggest uh, drivers for women who are seeking abortion, um, which is mm-hmm. um, it's very sad that a woman would feel like she can't talk to anyone about her situation or reveal what's going on or that that would um, cause her to do something that she doesn't actually want to do. Um, it's a very strong force, um, and, a, and it's um, it's a toxic force. So that shame factor there is um, part of why one of our, our web designer here, um, Anna, uh, she went through a crisis pregnancy, didn't have anyone here to help her, to walk her through that, or to just tell her she could do it. No one, no one did that. Mm -hmm. And she was like, um, because I I initially suggested, what if we had some kind of email, some system like that? She said, no, no, no. You need something quick. You need something uh, where no one has to reveal who they are. Um, You need something that Mm -hmm. is basically instant if you can do it. So she was the one that came up with the Mm -hmm. live chat idea. And I agree. Cause I was like, oh, sure. I was like, Oh, that's kind of amazing because I always go on a website and if I see that little chat bot on the side, I'm like, Oh good. Let me see if somebody's there because I want to talk to somebody quickly. Uh-huh. I know I'm an old fogey, but I, I still would like a, a quick response. Yes. yes. And so, um, so the idea is for, um, we'll be able to put out some ads there. Um, we're getting more, funding. um, mm-hmm. putting ads through hopefully Google, which is quite expensive, but Google and Instagram, especially. Um, we will have ourselves out there, um, just as an invitation for women who will be marketing specifically Mm. for women who are pregnant, don't want to be, but also would like to avoid termination. And um, we're Mm -hmm. just going to be available to talk to them, that kind of thing. Big thing about Irish, especially young people is they value transparency. So, um, Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we're, our goal is to be completely transparent with everything we do, including saying, Hey, we are Christians. So it's, it's one of those things.
0: Yeah. So, so it's, so you're not offering something that, um, that hey, get them in here no. and then no. switch the bait and switch, switch about that. Is no. so like a good. big,
1: big, like we do not want to do that big mistake. So putting right. all the cards out on the yeah. table is very important. Um, how, um, sure. And, you know, we run the risk of people going, oh, we're not going to come to you, but that's okay. We'd rather have the honesty up front, um, you know, than have people think yeah. that they've been bamboozled yeah. um, in some way. So, um, so we'll say like, here, here's who we are. Here's what we do. And we definitely um, won't be um, uh, saying we're going to change your mind or anything like that. One of the big things that we would do is train volunteers in, It's a big controversial words that I'm going to use, but non-directive responses to to people's questions and things. Um, I, for a while, thought that, oh, no, that's bad. That's evil. That's associated with a lot of, like, pro-abortion types of um, movements. But in reality, it's what counselors do all the time, professional counselors in Mm -hmm. an ethical capacity, um, they, if someone comes in and says, I'm going to get a face tattoo, they actually can't say, Oh, don't do that. It's a bad idea. They have to go. How do you feel about that? You know, they have to, right? like right. the client chooses whatever they're going to do when they walk out the door. It's their job to help the person right. think it through, um, without manipulating or leading them in a direction that's known as non-directive approach to listening.
0: So, okay. Yeah. It's kind of similar to, to something that like a coaching response yeah. to as well, that, you know, you're there to ask questions and help the person exactly. figure out their decision and not to say, this is what you have to do. Or, this yeah, is the other thing exactly.
1: Do. Great. Um, yeah. Awesome. So, so the idea is that a woman would, um, come to the live chat through whatever means, even word of mouth, word of mouth is very big in Ireland. Um, You know, so she'd come to the live chat through the website, be talking with a volunteer who um, they, how it works is the, um, the chat bot thing. I'm I'm so sorry. I'm not technologically inclined. Anna and our web team are on this. (laughs) So the way way that it works is it goes to um, our volunteers download an app. So it's similar to WhatsApp where it's encrypted. So it's a secure chat line. So a woman would, would get on the live chat, and whoever is on call and our volunteer team would log in. And so, if you're logged in, you're available to receive any chat that comes in through the bot. And so, awesome. Anyway, okay. so the woman would get on there um, and be chatting with whoever's on call. Um, Anna's goal, and I affirm her and agree with this, is to make our chat 24 um, seven. The government has a phone okay. line that they have for uh, crisis pregnancy. It, it operates from nine in the morning to nine at night. Um, and they of course Mm. offer termination as part of the things that they do. We're not sure how much of like, if the woman wanted to birth her child, um, if how much support they would get through that, um, we, we haven't really been able to uh, figure that out. Uh, obviously it's unethical for us to call the line and pretend someone, um, we just have to speculate. So, uh, but anyway, um, we would like to be there for women beyond those services so that if she's at 11 o'clock at right. night someone's is there for her so anyway yeah. um and yeah. so that's how that works if uh, if a woman on the live chat would like to meet with a volunteer face to face if 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 she would like continued practical support then we have an office space in Dublin and we're working on an office space in Galway and in Cork so that um she can meet confidentially mm-hmm. with a volunteer there so yeah
0: that's great So you've got a a whole network of people who are support staff and people who want to volunteer and support others. Um, First, let's talk about um, the idea of communities who want to support these young ladies who are going through um, this crisis pregnancy. How are you getting them involved and what kind of things are they going to be doing?
1: Well, so um, we love, I mean, obviously we're Kai Alpha people. So we love the idea of discipleship in every facet of life. And so when it Mm. comes to crisis pregnancy, we're like, well, shoot, why can't we have that sort of discipleship model when it comes to that? Um, Because a lot of complaints that we see and we've seen for years is women feeling sort of um, like people really care when they're pregnant, but when they have like a three-year-old kid, they're like, Mm. yeah, whatever, bye. But the way that we're, the way that uh, Jesus taught us how to do discipleship, and the way that the early church did, it, the way that churches are doing it now, the way Chi Alpha does it, is that we're with you for the long haul. That it's a, it's a friendship right. that never stops, just because it's inconvenient or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That so the way that we're modeling this with Zoe is if you come in and you're saying like I'm pregnant and I don't know what to do, we're like, hey, as long as you want to hang out with us, we want to hang out with you and have coffee with you and, mm. you know, help you fold clothes and do whatever the heck you need. Um, because we it together, right. help you fill out forms. You know, like we were talking form anxiety is so real. Um, mm. so can you imagine being in a yeah. crisis situation and having to fill out a five page form in order to get government assistance and it's daunting. And so to have someone there with you, yeah to actually help you brain when you physically cannot brain, Mm. you can't think. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a large part of what we'll be doing too, is helping people navigate those government systems. Government employees just can't sit down with you in a coffee shop and as you cry and figure out how to get child support and all kinds of other things, you know? So that's what Zoe volunteers will be there to do. But it's, it's a, it's a model that we want to see, um, happen very organically and um Mm -hmm. something that the church is like inherently really good at doing some churches aren't good at doing this like Mm -hmm. you know by uh lack of practice but um Mm -hmm. where this is what we're called to do is we uh, make disciples help people understand who jesus is and know him and in that process we become friends we help each other through these difficult life ex- experiences. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you think that the, uh, the amount of shame attached to the situation has really over time inhibited the church's response to it? Yeah. Because.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. in Ireland, you know, i I might not get into the entire thing, but there's uh, so much, sure. um, church history that, um, the church has actually been responsible for a lot of that shame culture that we're trying to get out of right now. Um, and when I say the yeah. church, I'm not talking about disciples of Jesus. I'm talking about the institution of the church. And you know this very well. Yeah. Um, and this is obviously happening across Europe that uh, the institution of the church um, being responsible for so much damage and so many misconceptions mm-hmm. about Jesus. that people use the name of Jesus and yeah. have used his name in order to fulfill self-righteous um, desires. And in order mm-hmm. to um, really serve their own agenda and power-seeking behavior. So in Ireland, um, women who, um, up in, from about the early 1900s up until the 70s and 80s, I think, um, women with unplanned or women with um, pregnancies out of wedlock were taken and um, made to have their babies at mother and baby homes. So there were orphanages, um, basically. The babies mm-hmm. lived there and were adopted out. Uh, the whole adoption process was very corrupted, and, and at the time, I won't we'll get into that. but um, so mothers were, babies were taken from them, and the mothers many times just never saw their children again. The women um, were a lot of times taken to Magdalene laundries run by the nuns as well. And the nuns would cut off their Mm. hair, not feed them. They would couldn't talk to each other. These women, and they would put them to divorce labor, Mm. um, to do laundry for rich people, basically. Um, so they were there to work off their penance is what, um, they were there to do. The last laundry closed in 1996. Um, there was one still like hanging out there. (laughs) So, um, and I went, um, a couple years ago, when God was really um, putting this on, on, my, on my heart to start, I found out about these laundries. I was like, what the heck? This happened? So I went to the last standing mm-hmm. one in North uh, Dublin in the city. And I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect. When I got there, I felt a weight of sadness. I just started crying actually when I stood in mm-hmm. the gates. It was very emotional, like yeah. very emotional. Because when I got there, um, people had hung baby shoes all down the gate of the laundry um, and these oh, wow. ribbons that were tied there that said, we remember. And um, I was like, Oh my God. Cause there's so many people now who were born at that time who have no idea who their mothers were. And then mothers who have no idea who their kids are. Moms and kids wow. searching for each other. And you know, Satan has been the author of so much abuse for women and children in this country through the years. It's like he hates women and children, Mm -hmm. like, with a power. Um, Mm -hmm. And so now, um, when the law changed and abortion was legalized here in 2019, I sort of thought to myself, like, I mean, Satan can't keep women in a physical prison any longer. That's no longer, like, a thing that he can Mm do. So, I mean, he's, he's got a new type of prison. It's just got sexier marketing now. So, um, so women are still going, uh, for termination. Now it's legal. Um, and the number is actually increased by about 1500 women over the the past year or so. Um, and so we're actually thinking through a lot of like, uh, the women who might be coming to us for post abortion needing healing from all that. Um, we're looking for a place where they won't see, receive criticism or shame from that. Um, and we're also working on talking to churches about like, Hey, heads up. Women perceive the church as a, as a place where they're going to receive shame. But we're trying, but God wants mm-hmm. to turn that around I believe he wants to split that situation yeah. and make um, and turn the hearts of people to him so that they, when they see him, when they mm-hmm. look at him, and they see someone in that situation, they won't point the finger and say shame on you. They'll see the forgiveness of God yeah. and invite them in. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we want yeah. people to see the church as a place where, hey, I can know I can go there, and they're not going to shame me and criticize me. So, yeah,
0: right. That's really good, um, and you're also training people to be on these yeah. uh, these chats yeah. and stuff like that. What has that been like? What's the response there and, and what are you yeah, excited well, about Yeah, well, we're
1: there? kind of excited because um, so last year we actually had the first training scheduled and so we have two psychotherapists who are working with us and coming up with the curriculum. So it's a lot of things like uh, active listening skills, understanding our own biases, um, learning how to um, respond non, in non-directive ways, um, and then just basically talking about all the different scenarios that might might occur. Um, So we've got a lot of content. And in fact, the content stretched over four days. So last year we had four days packed with things. Uh, We only had seven um, takers in the entire country for obvious reasons. Like that's a lot of time, you know? So then um, Blake was like, because Blake, uh, he would not say this, but he's been the um, instigator for actually most of the best ideas that we've had have been through Jesus and Mm -hmm. out of the mind of Blake. So, um, okay. but he was like, I think you should flip the classroom, and I was like, what does that mean? He's like, well, that means like you have um, all your content uploaded, already pre-recorded and done, and people watch it all, and then they mm-hmm. come to class having already known the information, and they integrate. It. And yeah. we were like, God, brilliant. Okay. So this was all pre-COVID. So before all that, we. Okay filmed all our instructors, got everything onto Google Classroom, all of our documents, anything that we have that might be helpful for people to learn and take in, got it onto Google Classroom, and then COVID. Mm -hmm. So we were in December, we were like, oh, this is a brilliant idea. (laughs) And God's like, you're going to need this. So anyway, so we've got all of that ready to go. Um, And so we had planned, we had scheduled um, for this autumn. Um, a one day event where people come and they integrate all the information physically in person. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Right. So, um, we're having two uh, giant Zoom days. We have breakout rooms and things like that coming up. Um, wow. So, now we awesome. have uh, at least we have, and counting, we have 34 people from Galway, Cork, and Dublin who are coming to training.
0: Awesome. I think we
1: actually have more in the wings, but, anyways. So,
0: Are they, uh, those people that are being trained, do they have some sort of uh, background that would be helpful for them? What are are the requirements? We actually don't
1: have uh, any background requirements specifically. We do have kind of a strict um, screening policy uh, because it is important important because there are people who have, we've had at least two people who've we've interviewed with because we have an interview process that they have to go through, um, who we have thought, okay, uh, something's not right with this person. They seem to be coming at this Mm. from um, a perspective of anger or a political agenda, something like that. Um, uh, at least one of those people, um, we have simply not allowed to come to the training because we're being very protective of, what is a very vulnerable population um so we can't just let anybody in we can't just let anybody become a volunteer it's not going to happen so we have one person who we're sort of like let's let her get through the training because we want to observe her in action and see what's going on with this person we might have a special job for her later but um but anyway um so part of that yeah so um yeah. So we have the interview process. Um, and then, so as far as qualifications, now there are at least three midwives, um, who have have, um, who signed up and are coming, which is fantastic. because they already have the stand awesome. towards helping women. We have, um, a physical therapist. We have a lot of mothers, a lot of moms who don't have a whole mm-hmm. lot of time to volunteer, but, um, being able to operate a live chat when their kids are in school, or late at night when they're mm-hmm. nursing a baby, that's totally doable. Um so that kind of okay. thing is really appealing to them. Um so we have a lot of moms, we have a lot of people who uh we have a handful of people who are retired, but actually mostly younger on the side of younger people, so okay. it's a, actually a really good mix. Awesome. And it's at the moment women um okay. we know that men suffer through crisis pregnancy a whole lot. In the future we'd like to figure out how we can accommodate their needs. But for now, we're focusing on just
0: training women and um, serving women at the moment. So, yeah, that's awesome, great. So we know those podcasts mostly for uh, university ministry, and so I'm wondering, you know, how can we uh, take this great, awesome idea (laughs) and model, um, and and say, some university leader hears about this podcast or hears this idea, what can they do to? Maybe turn their student ministries' hearts more towards this idea, or to to open their eyes to the need and make a difference yeah. where they are.
1: Well, the I steps? mean, um, I think basically, so what we're actually going to do um, is we're workshopping this idea of taking the larger Zoe training and having a one day sort of mini taster event. Um, we couldn't do this on campus because campuses in Ireland have very strict rules about. Um, Christian groups being Mm -hmm. there. So we'd have to have it an off campus sort of event, but for students um, a day or maybe like a couple of hours where um, we just talk about active listening skills um, because Mm -hmm. that's, that's a big deal. Um, it is so hard to listen to what someone's actually saying. Um, not what you think they're saying. And so Mm -hmm. that's, that's a big part of the active listening skills kind of a deal. Um, And if you're in crisis pregnancy, just to have someone who doesn't tell you what to do, give you advice, share your own story, that kind of thing, but just actually sits there and actually listens to what you're saying, it's a, it's a huge, um, a huge deal for that person. So, um, so we want to take, uh, take a sort of a mini version of Zoe and, uh, deliver it to students and help them, um, get kind of that one idea and be able to practice it and, um, sort of awaken them to the idea of you too can be there for people on on your campus. So if you're a campus leader and you want to kind of get started with this, um, I would encourage you to seek out a counselor friend of yours because I'm sure you know somebody who is a psychotherapist and bring them on board with what you're doing and have them come help you create a few active listening exercises with your student group. And begin to, amongst your student leaders, be talking about what does it mean to listen to someone? Um, What does it mean to look at our own biases? Because we all have biases and things in our lives that we are secretly think, oh, I'm above that sort of activity or whatever. We don't necessarily Mm. voice that. But it's important for us to acknowledge that we have these things in our lives. Because whenever we're talking with somebody who's going through crisis, pregnancy, any bias that we have, any agenda that we have has to be left at the door when we're talking with someone, um, which is very hard to do. Mm -hmm. And it takes practice, a lot of practice. Um, So These are things that small steps that would be great to start with your group and start talking about this kind of stuff. And, um, Mm -hmm. and openly acknowledging, like if you really feel like God's calling you to be a group that um kind of that accepts students uh, fellow students as they are with the hope that jesus will transform lives you have to be ready for people coming in and telling just telling everything about their lives that someone comes in and says i'm pregnant your first response is okay um what do you need right now what do you need Mm -hmm. right now and then and then listening so, you know, um, if you want to acknowledge like my group, our group is a safe place for you to be able to share whatever you want. And then you might be surprised at who ends up coming to your door. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I had a, a, uh, less than perfect response to uh, a young lady who came and told us that she was pregnant. It was, it was a oh. shock. And, uh, you know, I think a little bit of just thinking these things through ahead mm-hmm. of time for someone who's out there is having a student group who's saying we have people coming who um, it doesn't matter where they're from or what's mm-hmm. their background, That this could be yeah. the situation that they want to be able to share and they want to be able to, to talk about it. Um, I had no idea. What, do, what, how do I respond when she says, yeah. Hey, I'm pregnant. Um, now in her case, she was just super excited about okay. it. And, um, and what was going to going on and stuff. And so we were like, we didn't know you even, had
1: a boyfriend. Mm, yeah, uh,
0: but so, um, just being, being aware I think is the thing to say, Hey, you know, these are things we need to think about, think through ahead of time. And for me that helped them the next time or the next time somebody came and said something that was shocking. It was like, okay, then how can we go on with that? What are you thinking about that as opposed to, Oh my goodness, or celebrating. Sure. So, um, But really to to respond to where they're at and, 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 uh, maybe how do I put that respond more than just, uh, what our own biases say they ought to feel, but listen to what they really are feeling. Yeah. You know,
1: very true.
0: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So exciting stuff about what's going on. If you could, um, maybe just share with us, maybe a call to action, what would you like, uh, somebody listening to this podcast, where could they go? What could they do? What do you think um, you would say this would be awesome for next steps or how maybe even they could even support uh, Zoe community? Yeah.
1: Well? If you um, wait, I mean, we're thinking long-term down the road that Zoe will become a Europe wide thing, possibly international kind of a thing, because this model is something that mm-hmm. um, we feel like would, easily fit into other cultures Um, if you know if your student group would like to have a bigger training session um, we can definitely Mm -hmm. talk to you about that possibility we'd have to explore a bunch of things Mm -hmm. as far as how your culture responds and what types of things you might need that maybe we're not dealing with in our training here in Ireland So there's a lot of different things that would come into play, but to talk about that and explore that is something we're very much into. But I can tell you right now, one thing that you can do, Um, if your group is um, really interested in um, pursuing um, healing for women and men who've been through abortion, and you find that you might have a few of those in your group, which we found in Ireland that... um, at one of the local counseling centers, far and away the biggest population for post-abortion counseling, people who came seeking that out were university students. And so this is um, something that maybe is not talked about a whole lot, that abortion is something that um, is being celebrated, that people say, hey, this is a really great thing. And so I think a lot of students feel that they, um, if they're sad about it, um, they they're not really sure where to go because maybe the church will judge them. Maybe their friends will because they shouldn't be sad about this. Um, yeah. One of uh, right. so what I would encourage you to do is um, seek out a, a Bible study called Save One. Um, it's really good. Right. It's um, we uh, Assemblies of God in the United States connected with Save One. We actually use Save One here in Ireland, um, and then it's in. Multiple countries. I know it's in Austria, um, so they have multiple okay. language versions of the Save One study, and you can get on the training. website. I believe it's SaveOne.org, but it's easy to track them down and um, okay. find them. And they can come, and Sonia and Chris will come and give you guys a a training session and um, teach you okay. guys the ropes how to do it, and you can implement that in your campus if you're finding that you have a group of people who would benefit from, from that kind of a thing. Um, It's very very helpful tool. So I would encourage you guys to do that. If you're finding that's a a big deal for you.
0: Yeah. Cool. And um, we'll, of course we'll put the link into the uh, description as well. And Mm -hmm. on the website and make sure we can link to your guys' stuff and to Mm -hmm. your podcast as well. Mm -hmm. It's really exciting. This has been such a good conversation. I think for everybody to hear. It's not a conversation that we have very often because I think even, even in the, in the church, even the church that is um, wanting to accept everybody, we're still a lot of shame about what we discuss. Mm -hmm. So thanks so much for openly and honestly discussing it. It's really super exciting and uh, looking forward to what, what God will be doing in Ireland and around Mm -hmm. the world. And uh, you guys have, are looking for that charitable Um, organization status is that close to coming to fruition yeah
1: typically in Ireland, if the government drags its feet about approving something it means they're going to eventually usually when they say no it's pretty quick okay so this has been about two years in the process so hopefully soon okay
0: so so we'll also be praying that that comes through quickly and that uh, you guys have everything you need to move forward really excited for you all right well, thanks so much for being a part of our podcast, cool. Katie. And um, looking forward to all the exciting news about um, what happens Awesome. Before.
1: Thanks, Alan. so
0: much. We hope you enjoyed this podcast with Katie Edgman and talking to her about uh, the incredible opportunities to be uh, available, be helpful to those who really need to see God's hands extended uh, in a real practical way. We'd love to hear your feedback, We'd love to know what you're thinking about and how you are being involved as well. Thanks so much for listening to the SFC podcast.